to continue to worship God with me in prayer. Holy God, we thank you that you are not only the maker of heaven, but you're the maker of earth and you're the maker of each one of our own lives. As we come to you in worship this morning, we ask that you would speak to us not only through your word, but through your spirit. Would you open our lives to you in a new and a fresh way so that we know, God, that we have met with the living God this morning. And because of that, we go away today forever changed and transformed through the power of your word at work in our lives. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Welcome to Faith Covenant Church this morning. My name is Kurt. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am excited to be together today. It's kind of an interesting Sunday. It's Labor Day weekend, so it's a holiday weekend, and we're just about to start school in the new fall ministry season, and so we're kind of at this transition point in the year. And I'd also like to suggest that uh, it seems that we're also kind of at a transition point in the life of our church. If you've been around with us uh, for the last few months, you know that we successfully completed our Ready to Grow fundraising campaign this last spring so that we could expand our staffing and begin to prepare to expand our ministries as a church. Uh, We've gone through the summer with lots of mission trips and kids ministries and VBS, and we've completed our More Than Gold Olympic series, and now we're looking ahead to the fall. And as we uh, go into ministry this September, we're going to be looking at, starting next week, a three-week series that we're going to piggyback on the Ready to Grow campaign, and we're going to call it Ready to Grow, and we're going to talk about, well, what does growth mean to us at Faith Covenant Church? That growth for us isn't just about numbers. It's not just about getting a bunch of people in a building. Growth is about going deeper in Christ and further in mission. As we've been walking our vitality pathway, asking ourselves, what are the biblical markers of both a healthy and a missional church. We know that healthy churches are churches that help each other, help people go deeper in Christ. And then as a result of our depth in our walk with Jesus, we go further together in mission and accomplishing the calling that God has given us as a faith community. And that's going to lead us right into the next step on our vitality pathway, which is called EPIC. This fall is going to be EPIC at Faith Covenant Church. But EPIC stands for Empowering People and Inspiring Change. Discipleship to Jesus Christ is all about being empowered by the Spirit of God so that we can experience the life-transforming power of Jesus at work in our lives so that we actually invite other people to experience that gift of walking with Jesus in their lives as well. And so today, before we kind of set up that fall season, we kind of have a prequel today. You know, there are those transition moments in the life of Jesus. And today we're going to be looking at one of those transition moments in the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to be in chapter 9, and we're just going to look at a few short verses. But, but these short verses are packed full of a foreshadowing of Jesus personal mission and his vision of what God had called him to do. So I invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to be in chapter 9, as he said, near the end of the chapter. We'll start in verse 35. But before we read the verses for this morning, I want to give you a little background of the story so that, so that we have a little context for what's happening here in Jesus' life. If you're familiar with the Gospel of Matthew, you know that Matthew chapters 5 through 7 are the famous or more commonly known Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus has demonstrated through his preaching and his teaching that he is the one who has come from heaven and has the authoritative word of God. 
But after the Sermon on the Mount, he goes about his ministry, healing the sick, driving out demons, raising the dead. And through his ministry, he demonstrates that not only is he the one that has the authoritative word of God, but he is the one that has the authoritative power of God. And ultimately, through his teaching and preaching combined, he wants his followers to know that all of this authority is to demonstrate that he is the one who has the authority to forgive sin, which is ultimately the source of all of the brokenness and evil in this world. He's called a host of disciples to follow him, most notably the twelve, and he's raised the ire of the religious elite around him because of his unwillingness to keep the religious rules or to teach those who follow him to do so. So here at the end of chapter 9, verse 35 essentially captures in summary form all of this work and ministry that he's been doing up to this point. And it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Then in the midst of all of this ministry activity, you can kind of imagine all of these different things going on. We have this moment that, for me, as I kind of read and reflect on this passage, it kind of strikes me as like a slow-motion movie clip. You know, you're in the midst of an action movie, and it comes to this really poignant moment, and everything kind of slows down, and it really focuses in on a few of the characters and what it really want you to see going on. And I kind of imagine this happening as Jesus is looking around at all the people who have come out to follow him, to hear his teaching, to hear a word of good news. And it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers or the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And as I shared a little earlier, we get a little glimpse of the foreshadowing of the calling that Jesus was going to have for the rest of his disciples after he had given the ultimate sacrifice to forgive the sins of not only those who were listening to him in that day, but for you and me and the whole world as well. And God raised into the dead, he would have this calling to send out workers into God's harvest field. How about you this morning? Do you ever feel harassed? Or helpless in life? I know I do. I mean, this world is not easy to live in. This life is not an easy life to live. So often we get so caught up in the busyness and the the, the tasks and the to-dos and the worries about relationships and finances and work and and careers that that we cannot help but feel harassed by life and, and helpless to get out of the rat race and to make a change in our lives. And you see, here we get a glimpse into Jesus as he's working and living and walking and teaching among the people of his day. And he sees the lives of people and he has compassion on them because he sees that they too are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. See, the people of his day are suffering under the oppression of the occupying Roman rule in their country. Plus, they have all the daily concerns and heartbreaks and difficulties of life beating down on them, just like we have today. In the midst of all of this, their religious teachers, who were supposed to be like shepherds, leading them to spiritual water and spiritual food and restoration in their own lives were essentially harassing them further by piling on even more religious duties and rules that they had to live up to and piling on the guilt and shame that they weren't quite doing enough or weren't doing it perfectly. 
Rather than helping to alleviate people's suffering and giving them hope in the world, they simply piled on to guilt and shame through unrealistic religious practices, through their judgmental attitudes and their attempts to manipulate people by getting them to trust in them for their safety and security. You see, Jesus sees that the crowds, the people, are spiritually hungry and thirsty, and they want more out of life. Are you spiritually hungry? Are you spiritually thirsty today? Are you wanting more out of your spiritual life in God? Are you, are you wondering if there might be something more that God has for you in this transforming walk with Jesus that you've embarked upon? See, the organized religion of Jesus' day did nothing to help people learn how to develop their own spiritual lives, to grow in their walk with Jesus, to, to find greater meaning and purpose in God. In fact, religion only made them feel worse. Now let's contrast that with what we see going on in Jesus' life here. Jesus actually went out to the people. He went and, and sat in their homes. He, he ate with them. He, he, he ate with sinners. He drank wine with tax collectors. He healed the sick. He restored the sight of the blind. He took on demonic spirits and drove them out. All the while making sure to let people know that the point of all of this was to demonstrate that the power of God was coming into the world to provide forgiveness for sins, and to begin to transform people's lives from the inside out. See, the true heart of God for people was revealed in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And it says that Jesus saw the crowds, and he had compassion on them. If you look up the word compassion in Webster's, it says that compassion is a sympathetic consciousness of others' distress, together with a desire to alleviate it. The Greek word that the, the Bible uses here in Matthew is splanchizomai, uh, or something like that. It's a tough one. But the Greek word splanchizomai means to be moved in the inward parts, to be moved inwardly. You could almost say that Jesus saw the people around him and he had a, a visceral gut reaction to their plight. Jesus saw the people and he sees with God's eyes, and he was moved inwardly to want to do something about what they were experiencing. He feels for them. He suffers personally because he sees what they're experiencing in life, because of their spiritual poverty and their hunger, and he wants to them to experience a totally different life in God. And that's why he does what he does. Do you understand that God sees you and me in the same way too? He sees your life today. He knows what you're experiencing. He knows what you're going through, and he has compassion. He is moved to want to act on your behalf. He wants you to experience such a greater experience of life in God than maybe you're experiencing today. He wants to be the one who, who satiates that spiritual thirst and hunger in your life. In Christ, we get a glimpse of the heart of God for, you, for us He's aware that we are experiencing and suffering the harassment and the helplessness of life in this world. And yet in him, we too can find greater meaning and purpose and satisfaction. Then switching metaphors from shepherding to harvesting, he says, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to go out into his harvest field. 
See, people are tired of feeling oppressed. They're tired of being spiritually hungry. They're ready to hear good news. People are ready to respond to the message that Jesus has for them. But the problem is there's not enough people to go out and share the good news with them. Jesus, at this point, is just one lonely man on planet Earth. Now, we know, in retrospect, that he was God in the bod. He was the one who became incarnated to bring God's presence to us on Earth. But in order to do that, he had to willingly take on our human condition. He had to limit himself to be one human being who was limited in his capacity to reach all those people that were coming to him for healing, for wholeness, and for good news, as Pastor Dick shared with our own kids just a little earlier. See, he recognizes he's only one man, and there's no way that as one man alone, even if he is God, can reach out and minister to every person in need of mercy and grace and healing. So he shares with his disciples, who are his companions on the journey, he says, pray pray for the Lord of the harvest to send more workers to help. See, Jesus came to the point in his ministry where he recognized that the needs out there were far greater than he alone could meet in the moment. And yet, moved by compassion by what he saw, he asked his followers to join him in this effort by at least starting to pray for more people. Now, I'd like to suggest for us this morning there are three challenges that in our day we can take away from this passage and this calling from Jesus for us to be involved in this mission work as well. First, I'd like to suggest if we're going to take seriously the call of God on our church and in our lives personally to be disciple makers of Jesus, then we have to understand that the desire and the motivation to fulfill that call must come from our willingness to allow God to put his heart for people in us. Because truth be told, we're selfish enough and we're fearful enough that our tendency as human beings is going to be to take care of number one first. We're not going to look at the world out there with eyes of compassion and desire to to, to make a difference in other people's lives. We're going to hole up and protect ourselves and try and prevent the world from impacting us negatively even further than it already has. Yet if we see others with the eyes of Jesus, we too will be moved by the heart of God to have compassion on the lives that people are living all around us. The sin and the brokenness of people around us should cause us to be moved in our inward parts to want to make a difference in the world. Now, the typical response of formal religion is to be offended by the sin of people around us and the brokenness of people, and so so we try and distance ourselves from them. But Jesus took the opposite approach. Rather than distancing himself from sin and evil and brokenness, he went out and through love and compassion transformed people's lives by touching the untouchable. See, we need to learn to see the world through the eyes of Jesus, who rather than being offended by people's sin, was moved by compassion and took action on their behalf. We have to develop a genuine heart for people who are far from God. Isn't that truly our mission, to go and make disciples? For the people who are not here this morning, for the people who don't come to church on Sunday or during the week, We have to have a passion for the harvest. These are people who are in our neighborhoods, living right next door to us. These are people in our workplaces who we see and work with every day. These are friends in our schools who we take tests with and we read books with and we play on the playgrounds with. 
These are people who we work out next to in the gym and who are sitting next to us at the sporting events and the football games and the baseball games. They're everywhere. They're just not here. And if they don't come here, how can they hear the good news of Jesus Christ unless somebody is willing to go out and share the good news with them? You see, the reality is that as a church, we can have the best worship on Sunday morning. We can have the best preaching that you guys get to hear. We can have the best Bible studies during the week. We can have the best programming for our kids throughout the week. But these people will never know it or experience it because they're not here. What is it that brings people to church? Is it how good our music is on Sunday morning? Is it our unique quips on the sign out by the street? Is it the fanciness of our building? Is it how beautiful we all are? Do you know that they've done some research on this and 90% of people come to church for the first time because they've been asked by a friend. Let me say that again. 90% of people come to church for the first time because they were simply asked by a friend. Somebody that they knew and trusted was willing to invite them to church, and they came. As we move forward as a faith community, we believe that we are ready to grow. We believe that God is blessing us in this place and that God is calling us to reach out to our community. But what might we have to do a little differently in order to be more effective in reaching those who are not yet reached? I love the way Andy Stanley said it for his church, which is uh, called North Point. He said, we believe God is calling us to be willing to do the things that nobody else is doing in order to reach the people that nobody else is reaching. See, we don't want to be just like a cookie-cutter church from the church down the street. We don't want to just repeat what everybody else is doing that we already know isn't reaching those people out there. We want to take seriously the call of God on our lives, on our church, to do the things that nobody else is doing, to reach the people that nobody else is reaching. That's God's heart for the harvest. The harvest is plentiful. The problem, Jesus says, the laborers are few. The second thing that I think we can be challenged by from this passage is that if we're going to take seriously the call of God to make disciples of Jesus, then we're going to have to commit to doing whatever it takes to become healthy and missional believers ourselves first. You see, in the same way that Jesus alone could not meet the needs of all the people he saw, Jesus' mission through his church will take all of us working together out of a place of health and wholeness to be able to have something to actually offer people who are harassed and helpless and living like sheep without a shepherd. Now, I don't know what that means for you. I don't know what your starting point is. We all have, might have a slightly different place to get on the path. Maybe for you, it's working with your spouse to develop a whole healthy family and foundation at home so that you have a, an actual platform to, to live on and to grow on and to reach out from. Maybe for some of you, it's working with one of our care ministries to bring healing and recovery here in the church to, to somebody who's come here looking for help and they're needing someone who's willing to come alongside to be a spiritual mentor and friend to walk with them. You realize that often we grow more by our work helping somebody else than they actually grow as a result of our ministry? If you want to grow in God, you have to put yourself in a position where you actually need the power of God to do what God has called you to do. That's when we begin to actually grow and experience God's power at work in our lives. 
Or maybe it's connecting with one of our staff members or team leaders to begin to apprentice yourself under their leadership, to begin to find out how God is maybe calling you to be a leader in the church, to help others who need to grow in their spiritual lives. We have to get healthy in order to be missional, but we have to keep our focus on Jesus' mission to the harvest out there. You see, there's truth in the adage, you cannot teach someone what you do not know. And you cannot lead someone where you will not go. You cannot teach someone what you do not know. And you cannot lead someone where you will not go. Men and women, we have to be disciples of Jesus ourselves. We have to be on the growing edge of our own spiritual lives and journeys in order to be able to invite others into that process as well. If we cannot learn to become healthy and missional people in Christ ourselves, how do we expect that we'll be able to lead others to the abundant life that God has for them? which ultimately leads us to the third and final challenge for this morning. If we're going to take seriously the call of God to make disciples of Jesus, we have to be careful to avoid the lie that lots of religious activity in the name of God is the same as having people's lives transformed by God. Let me say that one more time because I think this one is critical for the church in the 21st century. Not our church only, but every church. We have to be careful to avoid the lie That lots of religious activity in the name of God is the same as having people's lives transformed by God. See, we must be sure that the investment of time, talent, resources that we're asking people to commit to is actually making a difference in people's lives. Not just adding more busyness, more work, and more burden to their lives. Because if we do, then we run the risk of falling into the same trap that the religious leaders of Jesus' day did, of just piling more and more on people's lives, giving them a Christian version of what they're already experiencing out there in the world. And we're not really helping anybody or ourselves. They're harassed by life and helpless to find a way out of the rat race. Maybe that describes you and me, even as Christians, in our own lives. If we're not experiencing the abundant life Jesus us to experience in Him, maybe we need to ask ourselves, what is it that's getting in the way? Is it God that's not following through, or is it maybe that we're missing something in this call of God in our lives? We must be careful not to allow that religious activity is the same as life transformation. Sometimes we may need to say no to some things in order to say yes to the most important things. Again, there's truth in another adage that you can do anything, but if you try to do everything, you won't do anything. And I think as a church, we need to spend this next season of life and ministry really focusing on what are the things that are most important for us to be spending our time on so that we know that people who God leads to our church and to our ministry are experiencing true discipleship and life transformation. As we learn to see the world through the eyes of Jesus, we too will be moved with compassion by what we see in people's lives. The harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. In Jesus' call to follow him, God has put out the help-wanted sign. Are we ready to respond to God's invitation to follow him in that way? On this Labor Day weekend, let's at least start by praying together for the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. Would you pray with me? God, you are the Lord of the harvest. 
We need your heart of compassion for people. God, we need the eyes of Jesus to see the people that you would lead us to, to share your good news with. And maybe that sharing of the good news isn't necessarily telling them about the Bible stories, but maybe it's just simply sharing a word of encouragement in the midst of the difficulties of life. Letting them know that, that there is hope and maybe simply extending them an invitation to come to church or even to just come over for the house for dinner or to meet at Starbucks for coffee. God, your call on our lives is not complicated. But we also know, God, it's not easy. Would you send workers into your harvest field so that we can celebrate the ways that you are sharing this good news message to bring healing, wholeness, forgiveness, and restoration to all those you would invite us to serve? We ask this in Jesus' name.